Hi, I'm Rob Sadow, and you're listening to the Flex Perspectives Podcast, where we interview the world's best thinkers, researchers, and operators on how to make flexible work work. Flex Perspectives is brought to you by Flex Index, the world's most robust source for full-time, hybrid, and remote work requirements. Flex Index represents more than 7,500 companies, 55,000 office locations, and 100 million people. It's a great place to start if you're looking for your next flexible work career opportunity. Today, my guest is Kara Alamano. Kara is the Chief People Officer at Lattice, the people management platform, and the co-founder at People Tech Partners. In this episode, we discuss Lattice's journey from full-time in office to becoming a remote-first company, how Lattice uses pulse surveys to inform its flexwork strategy, and how Lattice designed a manager training program to up-level managers for remote work. If you enjoy this podcast, please help us out by subscribing and giving us a rating. It helps us understand what episodes our listeners find most valuable and helps new listeners find the podcast. Kara, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. I'm really excited about this conversation. Uh, You and I have talked a bunch over time about different aspects of flexibility and people. Um, As the chief people officer at Lattice, you do some really interesting stuff. I feel like you've got a really unique seat, both being a chief people officer and working at a company that builds product for people and people leaders. Oh, yes, for sure. I I say it's a very meta position because, first of all, yes, I'm a chief people officer. We have a global remote first organization um, with hubs in San Francisco, New York and London. And then 40 plus percent of our workforce is outside those hubs. So, yes, we're navigating all the things that everyone's navigating. Um, And we have 5,500 customers that are people just like me that are asking a lot of questions and having a lot of conversations about what this new world of work is. And we have a group called Resources for Humans, which is 20,000 HR practitioners that are in discussion and talking and managing through these pieces. So it's a privileged position. And the cool part about it too is we are building products to help people in this new world of work to help people performance manage, to help people under, have a finger on the pulse of engagement. I talked to my colleagues and I was like, yeah, this is quite literally like the front seat of everything that's been happening the last few years. It's an incredibly cool place to be. And so I'm really interested in a bunch of different things that we'll dig into. But even outside of Lattice, if I remember correctly, through People Tech, you've got a whole mm-hmm. other lens to maybe you talk about that for a second, what People Tech is and how that yes. gives you a, a different, unique perspective on flexibility in this topic. Yeah, definitely. So um, People Tech Partners is a group that I founded about a decade ago, and it includes more than 250 leaders of high growth technology companies. And now we have a group of folks that are People Tech Enterprise. So an additional group of about 50 leaders from your Fortune 100, your Fortune 500. And I see that functionally, first of all, as a brain trust of folks that are really at the leading edge. And we are also a group of people that are all about real talk because we have to be able to share really openly and honestly about what's working and what's not working so that we can go back to our businesses, go back to our organizations, go back to our employees that we care about and make sure that we are doing the right thing and and bringing the right level of rigor to the table and, and, and thoughtfulness. So that's, it, it's really an amazing group. And the other side of that is is that we, um, as part of what we do, we we work to bring new technologies to market. So we have a group of 120 plus people technologies, and these are these are founders that are building 
uh, future of work technologies that that help us um, from the from the people leader seat. So it's a very uh, it's a very virtuous cycle. And Lattice was a people tech company before I joined. Um, it, after it it got to scale. So oh, I love that story. I didn't know connected. that part. Yeah, I feel yeah, like you're yeah. like one of the the people on the planet that probably as an operator <laughs> has like more of a front row seat to this than like anybody else. So I think this would yes. be great. Yeah, for for better and for worse, right, Rob? <laughs> yeah, totally right. You are deep in it, whether you like it or not. In some ways. Um, just to set the stage a little bit, and look, I think a lot of people are probably familiar with Lattice. You talked about the mm-hmm. scale and fifty five hundred customers, but you know, set the stage a little bit in terms of what's the size of the organization from employee mm-hmm. base. What's the distribution geographically? Just so when we talk a little bit about how you've approached flexible work, people understand the magnitude of the organization, so to speak. Yeah, um, Lattice is an organization. We're about 550 employees now globally. And what's really interesting is at the beginning of the pandemic, we were a fraction of that number. So our growth has been during COVID in this remote first environment. And it's been um, an amazing journey in terms of the growth of our business along with the growth of our employee base. And we expect to continue to grow. I think in some ways it's it, that's been really nice because we have grown up in this remote first environment, but just along with everybody else, we are constantly really trying to be thoughtful about the decisions that we're making um, and, and what's right for our teams. As mentioned before, we have beautiful offices in San Francisco, New York, and London. And the question is always what's going to be best for each role, um, each team as we as we think about how to how to build our company and and how to how to optimize the the talent strategy that we have. What was Lattice's approach to work prior to the pandemic? People in, in mostly office. in the office. Yep, it was a um, it was a very scrappy startup. Um, Jack Altman is our founder. And as mentioned, it was, you know, a handful of people five years ago that were hashing it out in in downtown San Francisco and very much a hyper collaborative, very relationship driven organization. Um, And and part and and that is part of the special sauce of who we are at Lattice. Um, We are a very caring organization. We hire people who care about employees' experiences, who want to build things that make people's work lives better. So you can imagine just in terms of self-selection, people opting into that mission of making work meaningful, which is our mission statement, is something that folks lead with empathy, they lead with caring, and they lead with wanting to, to build really strong relationships. So we have been We've had to be really thoughtful about how to translate that as we grow and scale, while also, by the way, managing through a giant pandemic. Um, yeah, totally. It, it, yeah. Easy things to do, right? Like, no, no big deal. Simple, so, simple. So, so take me through, you know, in some ways, I kind of want to rewind the clock back to the experience of, of going into the pandemic. And you mentioned you're mostly in office prior to that. Uh, Tell me about the decision to move to remote first. Was it something that was relatively obvious because of the of the health constraints of the pandemic? Was there a lot of discussion around it? Like, how did that actually come to fruition, so to speak, as a as a model for Lattice? Yes, the the answer was, um, and this was before my time. I've been at Lattice for a year and a half, but inheriting these decisions, it was really about the health and welfare of the organization. And what's also interesting is we were in the middle of of a build out for our San Francisco offices. So I think this tells you 
a little bit about intent here. We have offices that um, are very big and very beautiful, both in New York and San Francisco. And the timing of our um, of our renting and, and build out there was really definitely meant to send a signal that we were going to be in office. And then as with everybody else, everything changed with COVID. And, and was there a, and I know this a little bit before when, when you started, but as you mentioned, you've been familiar with Lattice for, mm-hmm. for a while. And obviously I'm, I'm sure you know some of the history. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment where it seemed like the organization recognized that maybe it wasn't temporary to be remote first, but that actually this might be the future? And, and I'm particularly curious about this because I think a lot of organizations, particularly hybrid ones, I, I feel like some execs have almost approached it like they still think they're in this in-between phase and that maybe they're going to end up back full-time in office or something's going to change. I'm curious when you kind of made a recognition or, or identified that this might be not just temporary, but we're going to have to invest in this as the model that would be the, the model for the foreseeable future. Well, I can tell you uh, two things. One is um, I have some experience from Udemy, which was my company prior to Lattice, which was very different than the experience that Lattice had and, and that we have at Lattice. So I can I can juxtapose those two things. And I think that that it's it is insightful looking at at a couple of different approaches. One is I think understanding that Lattice at the level of high growth where where Lattice was, especially at the inflection point going into COVID. And then COVID itself was a huge accelerant for our business. Um, what we do is we build a platform for a f- the full range of employee experience, everything from uh, you know, employee surveys to performance management, to feedback, to manager one-on-ones, weekly updates, all the way pull through to compensation cycles, right? So we are an operating system for this employee experience. And what do you need when you're going from an in-office, many, many ways, analog uh, experience to a remote first experience? You need something like Lattice to help you fully operationalize a virtual um, employee experience. So that was that's one version and understanding that our business grew along with the size of our employee base and the the decisions that were made during that time were very in the moment and then when when i came into the seat um a year and a half ago it was coming out of the covid out of the pandemic. And we then now have the option to be back in the offices. So a lot of the conversation since then has been around what are the expectations for the roles that we have? And how do we make sure that A, the folks are getting what they needed, that we're still driving a high performance, highly engaged people organization and employee organization while we're in this remote first world and we're being our own best use case by leveraging the lattice platform. So all those things are important. By the way, I think it's pretty interesting, uh, Kara, that in some ways, it, it, an input into that decision, it sounds like, or that experience was following customer and recognizing that, like, exactly. look, our our customers, employees are going to experience this. There may be other benefits to us understanding our own product better by actually experiencing this uh, this approach to work as well. I added it to our mission that it's our mission for the people team is to make work meaningful for letitians and be our own best use case. 
And they're, they're both love that. equally, uh, these are codependent intentions from a mission statement standpoint. So I think understanding that that's where Lattice was and at every turn, at every moment of, of evolution, we were asking ourselves, what's the best thing for the company? So there was not a point in time where it was a clear decision. It was as much about the commitment that we had made to each employee when they were hired, when we were saying we're a remote first company, this is how we operate, this is how we operate. And then the existential question of what would it look like if we said things are different now, you have to come back into the office. And that just didn't make sense for us, right? Because we were now in a place where we were operating effectively and efficiently at scale in a remote first environment. Udemy was very different because it was a more mature company and it and it was later stage and there was a level of stability and um, around the size of the company. So when Udemy went remote first, which was May 9th or March 9th, I'm sorry, you know, everybody has whatever that day was. Totally. We were, it was a very different conversation because every, every quarter, every, and then, and then every few months we would say, okay, here's our position. Here's where we stand. Um, you may be coming back into the office. So very different. And Udemy has decided to, to go back to the office for a, a few days a week. Um, where we are, are at Lattice is, is we see ourselves as a remote first company. We're letting each group decide what works for them in terms of in-office days, um, which is interesting because people have, through this process, continued to reinforce remote first. And then we do have a few folks that are um, newer teams and newer organizations that said, hey, we want to do hybrid to start so that we can get we can get foundational pieces in place, and then we'll continue to revisit this over time. God, it makes a lot of sense. One of the things that's really interesting about that, Kara, and you have a particularly interesting vantage point, not just from Lattice, but also because of you know all the other all of your customers and other yes. organizations we've talked about. Um, as you mentioned, Udemy is one example of a lot of companies that have said, and maybe I should I should clarify, Udemy not may not be an example of a company that said one thing to employees and then later decided to change perspective, oh, yeah. Yeah. but there are examples of companies yeah. that said, hey. You know, we're hiring fully remote, we're going to allow for that choice. And then all of a sudden time passes and there's a, a bit of a revisiting. Um, it sounds like you looked at your employee base and said, hey, look, we don't think that's the right thing to do. But a lot of companies have decided the other way. What's your your feeling on that? And, and kind of what are you seeing more broadly in terms of our organizations leaning into like how that impacts employees? Or do they feel like the employee needs to kind of move with what the organization or executives think is right when it comes to time spent in office? Well, I think abstract what the employees think should happen or what leaders think should happen, I think consistently, or I know consistently what I'm hearing from CHRO, CPOs, head of people, is the cost of change management, the cost of the shift has very rarely and only in a few circumstances actually been accounted for. And there has been not enough planning, not enough change management, not enough thoughtfulness in terms of how to manage through a shift from if you're remote first going to in office, if you're going, and, and I can say this as well, going from in office to remote first in a crisis mode in the middle of pandemic is an entirely different thing than building a thoughtful strategy 
and having the right practices, policies, processes in place to build a highly functioning organization in a remote first environment. So I think I think a lot of the downsides that have been articulated about remote first or hybrid have been a result of poor planning and poor change management and an underestimation of of what it will take to be successful in those environments. And I think there's a huge differentiator that will and and we're seeing is happening in organizations that have not taken that for granted and have instead been really thoughtful and are leveraging remote first and hybrid in the right ways. And the same way on the flip side, if you're an organization that's remote first and hybrid, but have for whatever foundational reasons decided to be in the office, it takes work, it takes effort, it takes a lot of change management because every single person is changing behaviors in those scenarios, which will ultimately affect um, your business results. So uh, I think that's really interesting. And if I were to, in some ways, kind of like summarize what I think I'm hearing you say, it's that the this underappreciation for the magnitude of the change or the magnitude yes. of the commitment is leading to underinvestment, it seems yes. like, in, in getting the yeah. model right. And, and I'm curious from your lattice experience, it sounds like there were maybe new capabilities or areas of investment that you had to focus on in making the shift to remote first. Um, what were some of those areas and, and, and how did you get better at them in order to kind of be more successful as a remote first organization? Well, I think the first thing is, as mentioned before, I think some of our, our differentiation as a as an organization and, and some of the things that, that make us the, the special business that we are is that um, we do have a lot of customer empathy. We do have a lot of caring and we have a lot of people who are, are truly committed to just creating strong employee experiences. You can't have that be a differentiator externally and not make sure that you're tracking that internally, right? And there is a big risk when you're changing behaviors that you will lose some of that connection between managers and employees and employees to mission and all those things. So one, a couple things that we've done to help mitigate that, the impact, the negative impact of, of some of this change and in just the dynamic environments we're in is really make sure that we're articulating the reasons for remote first, the reasons for wanting to bring people together when we are asking people to come into the office for different, um, you know, different meetups, different events, and that we're being extremely intentional with the time that we have when we're together. So I think that's a number one. Uh, the second thing is that we have, we leverage our employee surveys, um, we leverage our pulse surveys, we do a lot of feedback collection to make sure that we do have a pulse of how people are feeling. And the and the third thing is, is a very specific thing that we did this year was launch Manager Blueprint, which is our manager training program. And we developed a list of, uh, we articulated what we call the lattice way of leadership. So we wanted to get really clear and really crisp about what are the things that we think, independent of a location, are mission critical for leaders to be able to deliver as a part of the Lattice organization. And then we spent a lot of time training managers to be able to drive those outcomes. And then the final piece is we were very intentional about pulling together different cohorts of managers so that they would have an, a remote first experience that was positive and they could learn the right behaviors and then take that back to their team. So for example, we 
had folks move through our manager training in a cohort. We have follow-on meetups that are virtual. And we talk about, hey, is this working? Hey, is this not working? What does in-person connection need to look like? Are we aligning with Lattice Way of Leadership? And in some ways, this may feel like a lot for an organization of 550, but this is where I'm saying, if you're not doing these things and you're an organization of 5,000, or even if you're an organization of 50, this is a level of intentionality it takes to help people navigate this change. And when you're not doing those things, you will experience it in business impact one way or the other. And it's not as easy as just telling people to come back into the office because their lives have fundamentally changed and the behaviors that, that they are they are able to um, bring to the table from a, a professional standpoint have changed in the world that we live in now. I love that. And I think the lattice way of leadership, I, I really want to dig into that more because I think it's yes. like such a cool idea and an awesome, yes. an awesome investment to make. You know, it reminds me of, um, so Brian Elliott, our, our shared mm-hmm. friend who was on yes. the podcast, you know, talked Brian a lot Elliot. about some of their future forum research and how middle management gets squeezed uh, and mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. it is much harder in some ways to be a middle manager now than it was yes. pre-pandemic. There is pressure especially in organizations that maybe haven't put their foot in the ground really on flexible work from executives around time in office. There's pressure from employees around how do we balance around some of these needs they have to manage in a different way. And so um, I'd really love to understand how did you kind of like kick off the work that led to the lattice way of, of leadership? Is it lattice way of leading or lattice way of leadership? Lattice way of leadership. And I'm happy to, I'm happy to share where we are with that. We see this as, um, you know, we put a stake in the ground around some core core leadership expectations and leadership behaviors, and we see it as, as an evolution that we're going to be revisiting in terms of what's working for us as an organization. So again, I'm happy to share that with you. Um, we did a lot of listening. We, we have um, Molly West Duffy is our um, head of learning at Lattice, and she has a really strong background in learning and development and has um, built programs like this. So fundamentally, we looked at what was out there, Project Oxygen, et cetera, et cetera. And then we went and we said, hey, what the good, well, first of all, understanding that we have really great managers internally. Management and the relationship that people have with their managers has been something that we have um, gotten we've always had consistently strong feedback um, on our employee surveys around. What's interesting is about a year and a half ago, when we were winding out of the pandemic, we started seeing some softening of those numbers. Mm. And that was an early indicator to me that our managers needed extra support. um, And we as an organization needed to take another look and, and take another level of investment because I definitely believe that, that, managers and the relationship that managers have to employees is a key driver of employee success, which is then all about business success. So we saw that. And then we went and we we did a lot of um, affirmative inquiry and in saying, what is working? What are some, you know, what does your manager do that makes them exceptional on a day-to-day basis? And some of this is based on what we already know as um as builders of products that help managers do their jobs well, we know some things that are important. And then the other pieces are, are really being open to having folks at Lattice tell us what their personal experience is and, and what has been special for them. I think the listening is so great. I think a lot of organizations 
it seems like to me, and Carrie, you can tell me if you think this is right or not, but it seems like a lot of them have a point of view already on what leadership is or how yes. to manage, you know? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, we don't really need to do a lot of listening. Like we have our point of view on what it means to be a good manager. We can just train on that, but um, it's pretty different now in many mm -hmm. ways relative mm -hmm. and, and managing remote teams or hybrid teams is very different than managing full-time and office teams. And so mm -hmm. um, I love you took that step. Did it lead to kind of like a codified, this is how we manage type of like values or was it specific practices to train on? Like what was the output in some ways that led to this lattice um, kind of like uh, guide for, for managers and training? Yeah, most definitely. It, it led to a list of, um, of expectations and behaviors that we align our training to and that we engage with our managers on in terms of conversation, as well as managers assessing themselves against how what their strengths are versus what we believe are some really important behaviors that, that managers at Lattice should have. I think it's important, again, this is all about articulating uh, what success looks like in your organization and helping create a scenario where people can learn together. And what I do know now, even more than, you know, even at the beginning of my career, I've been doing this for a while, 20 plus plus years, is there are so, there's so much change. There's so many dynamics. And even in high growth technology companies, right? The speed to market, the speed of software development has increased so much that it it actually reflects reflectively puts more emphasis on the humans you have within the org, right? Because what they come up with on a Tuesday can be in market in a month, um, and that's a or, or or shorter. So it means that we have to really serve the humans in a really important, critical way to get the, to the outcomes we want. This is what I love about the CPO job. But it also means that that putting more structure and really articulating what is important and, and what is not important becomes mission critical for organizations and for people in my seat and, and people teams to be able to work against. Um, so that we're not so we're letting people do their next their best work and not spending a ton of time on a bunch of noise that doesn't matter. Totally. I think that's incredibly well put too. Uh, does it look different for, because I imagine you have different types of managers, right? You have more experienced, more junior managers. You've got folks that are new to the Lattice organization. You have folks that maybe have been at Lattice for a while, but are new to management and have been promoted. Uh, when you put your cohorts together, is there a certain thing that you expect kind of like new to Lattice people to go through from manager training versus new to management at Lattice? Like, how did you segment that, if you will, to kind of get that right and train across the whole group? Well, I think when you really trust um, in people's ability to learn and grow, it's from my standpoint, then the power of social learning becomes a superpower. And and to explain that mean, it, it is that I I actually believe you, you should have folks from different backgrounds, this is where diversity becomes really important. People from different backgrounds with different experiences, um, with different experience levels within the level of, of management where they are, that's where people can learn from e each other. And that beyond just making sure that we had structure, making sure that we were talking about um, the things that were important to us, which is 
how we're operating in this remote first uh, world, really trusting the, the learning that can happen in the room and make sure that you're giving space to people to learn from each other um, is really important. So to answer your question, yes, um, we were very intentional about putting people together that uh, that had a level of diversity within that cohort. Um, and I'm pleasantly, I'm still pleasantly surprised. Like people are still getting together, not outside of, of the, or outside of the prescriptive, you know, requests that we have for, for the training. And these are the types of connections that people tell me all the time. You can only do in an office when you're, you know, passing each other in hallways. And I point out that's absolutely not the case, but I will tell you if we had not, Intent, been intentional about putting these people together in a room to start with, you're right. The long tail of learning and growth and support may not have been there. But the beauty is, is that as humans, we can relearn these skills. If we put something, you know, you put a stake in the ground and, and say connection and community and coordination is really important to us. We think that these are the behaviors that will get us there, which include, um, building connections in a remote first world, and then trusting people that they will be able to continue that process. That's when magic happens because you get the benefits of remote first and you get the benefits of behavior change that drive to the outcomes you want. Yeah, I think if there's one recurring theme, both of this conversation and just a number of conversations I had recently, Darren Murph um, from yes. GitLab yeah. was on the podcast yeah. and was talking about this a lot. It's just this, the intentionality of the practices around the model are, in, in some ways, you can pick whatever model you want to, you know, mm -hmm. but the, the intentionality with which you pursue that is really, really important. And you can't assume it's just going to work because, you know, you send an email and say, this is going to be our model on a go forward basis. What's also interesting to me, Rob, is that there's an assumption that a return to just the quote, the way it used to be, or a return to office is a solve as well. And what I want to say is I'm seeing that struggle play out left, right, and center too among CPOs that have gone back to the office. We are in a place where things have changed. So the go forward is not hey, if you're going to do hybrid or remote, you've got to be intentional and thoughtful and you have to reconstruct behaviors, et cetera. You have to do that no matter what you're, whether you go A, B, C, or D, whether you go, Such everybody's literally going to sit in the same room forever. The world has changed. And so yes, on intentionality, but also yes, on like, here's where we are, acceptance and and let's let's do the right things for employees. So if you had to be your, your own best critic, if you will, and it sounds like you've made tremendous progress at Lattice and thinking about this over time, what's working? What isn't working? Like, what do you hope to get better at over the coming quarters or years in terms of your practice around this? We've had a lot of conversation about this. And, and I would say we're, we're, we are at the start of our journey for, for optimizing in, in um, the kind of work environment um, that will match our business. I think part of it is one of our values is called clear eyes. And that's about like, let's be honest with ourselves about what's happening here, right? Uh, you cannot expect that a year and a half, two years outside of a pandemic that we are going to be in an optimized work environment. What I'm hoping is that we are continuing to move forward, that we are continuing to, to build trust and we actually, the beauty of it is we don't have to be optimized. We just have to be on the path. 
because we have a lot of people that just aren't even on the path. So if we can differentiate, I look at it from a competitive standpoint, if we can differentiate by just making sure that we're a few steps ahead of the other folks, there you go. We're in a decent spot. But but most important to me is is thinking forward and saying, hey, what do the next couple of years look like? Because we know we want to get together more. For example, in planning for next year, this year we didn't have, hey, this team is getting together every quarter in X scenario to, to get to outcomes around collaboration and, and, and connectivity. We didn't do that. We said we want to do it more on an ad hoc basis. We want to learn this year. So next year, we're doing a lot of planning around what do travel schedule look like? What do budgets look like? What does overlap among, among different groups um, look like so that we can continue to build connections? Um, and and so that's just one of many conversations we're having about how we we can and need to continue to to optimize this model. I have a ton of faith in in a a model that gives us this level of flexibility, um, but I also know that we have to be open and honest about the fact that it will continue to take work. I also think there's something really important, especially in the way you just talked about in person interaction, right? Yeah. And you know, I think. Some people get very dogmatic on this topic and they believe really strongly in uh, remote work means that we never need to get together or on the other side, we need to be in office full time. But I think for most people, most organizations, remote work doesn't mean never in person. You know, it means right. being very intentional right. around what we do synchronously. Um, and it sounds like that's similar to the way you're thinking about it in terms of, hey, how do we be really uh specific and intentional around when we get together and why and how we do that. So we make the most out of in-person interactions, but still can invest and maintain and be successful in that remote first model. 100%. 100%. So you talked a little bit about roadmap around um, in-person interaction um, and what that looks like. Is there anything else in particular that you've noticed has been um, harder for the organization to adopt or, or things that you're really focusing on going into 2024 that, that you want Lattice to get better at to perfect the way it approaches this kind of remote first operation? Yeah, uh, a couple things. We are opening a hub in Lisbon. Um, so we Congratulations. are, thank you. We're very excited about that. So it, it will be the first time where we are opening a hub and not having a team from one of our other hubs to go and seed that office. We're, we're actually truly committing to remote first. And what that means is we went from San Francisco, we started in San Francisco, we shipped some folks from San Francisco to New York when we opened the New York office, and then we shipped some folks from San Francisco and New York to London to open the London office. We will be we will be taking people to the Lisbon office, and we will be um, you know in a future state discussing how we want to see that office. But we have hired you know we've started hiring on the ground in a remote first capacity because we do believe with forty plus percent of our employees remote. Um, that we have, we can do this. We know how to onboard people remotely. We know how to build connections remotely. So we are keeping a close eye on on that. And there's going to be a lot of learning around how to build an office um, or a hub in a remote first environment. So that's the first thing. And is the idea, Kara, that, you know, for example, if you say you're opening a hub in, in Lisbon, but it's going to be remote first, is it that uh, you are hiring people that predominantly live in the Lisbon area, but yeah. you're only going to get together for particular purpose or events? Is that, or is, that yeah. or is it broader yeah. hiring? Okay. Yep, that's what it looks like. Yep. 
And when you are hiring, uh, you know, it's Lisbon and Portugal, but we are trying to do our best to make sure that we have that flexibility, but also are committing to you know, a country and a region that, that we have a lot of faith in. Got it. Um, if you were, and, and I think you probably do this all the time. So in some ways, this is for our, our listeners benefit. I'm sure you're already having these conversations with other customers and, yeah. and chief people officers. But for the folks that maybe have been operating in a remote first capacity, but haven't taken some of the steps yet that you're describing in terms of going from we're in this model to we're very intentional about our practice and how we improve in this mm-hmm. model. What are some of the the most important first steps that you would suggest people take in order to, to start to move down this path in a more effective way? Um, going back to what, what you emphasized, what I talked about before, it was really about listening. We have done a lot of work around listening and, and building our programs and evolving our programs to fit a remote first um, scenario. We've really lightened up. We've moved to continuous feedback. Um, we're doing a lot more work within the Lattice platform and really trying to drive some thinking and, and, and some initiatives around really collecting the data around feedback and making sure that all of our decisions are data-driven and that we're continuing to drive um, more feedback afterward to get to have more of an impact. So I think always listening is really important. And looking at the data is, and the data is telling us, do people feel connected? We, we put a few pulse surveys out last year that were specifically about remote first work. And we added questions about remote first work and inclusion and belonging to our annual survey this year as well to give ourselves an insight into how people were feeling about that specifically. I think it's really important that you're able to to get to the detail of how people are experiencing a remote first or hybrid environment by asking specific questions because otherwise it's a lot of assumption around whether it's working for people or not. And I think those assumptions can be very biased versus what the reality is. It seems like you've done such good thinking on what to ask and what intervals. Obviously, you have a pretty good piece of software to, to, <laughs> to enable those types of questions and discussions. Have you thought about um, externalizing any of the process you've made in terms and of making do. public and, surveys? It's a, yeah. And we have those. Actually, on the platform, we have surveys that are, are pre um uh, uh, that have been created where you can pull the remote work survey and pull it into your workflow in your company. So, so yes, of course, Rob, it's not all us. We, it helps us look really good and sound really smart, but, but the beauty is, is that, that we're able to beg, borrow and seal. Um, and, and when you have good technology, it makes your life easier too. I think it's a huge value add. It's one of the things I wanted to make sure we surface, right? Is that, you know, for example, like we're a Lattice customer. I think there's probably a lot of folks out there that are Lattice customers and you don't have to build this from scratch, you know, take advantage of some of the great work that's already been done on thinking about these surveys and approaches to get yourself started. 100%. And then the ability to benchmark against what's happening with other companies, I think is super helpful, right? Because you can, in your mind, think, oh my gosh, we're failing brutally. This is, you know, we're... We should, we should shift gears and go back to the office or something like that. But when you see, no, everybody's working through these pieces and, and relative to others, you're doing, um, you're doing pretty well. I think that's important as well. 
That's awesome. Uh, maybe one final question for you as we kind of wrap this up. Who are some of the people that you really respect or follow who also have really useful things to say on this topic, maybe for our listeners who are trying to uh, get better at the way they approach this, if there are certain inspirations you have that maybe you could point out to people? Well, two names that, that you've said, Brian Elliott and Darren Murph, I think are, are great, um, have great perspectives. And then all day long, Nick Bloom and his work at Stanford around um, being uh, having really data-driven insights. It's fascinating to me how much bias um, and bias decision-making is, is happening in this world because there's so much emotion and so much feeling around it. And when you really cut through... Um, cut through some of that, you can get to some really core insights that make sense and can drive your decision-making to better outcomes than, than a bunch of, of biased assumptions. Yeah, you, you know you are speaking my language when it comes yes. to our Flex Index work <laughs> yes, and, and putting data out there to, uh, to make better data-driven of decisions. Of course. And the work that you're doing is God's work because we need we need Flex Index. We need these, these insights because otherwise, we sitting, me sitting in my seat, you know, it's a very hard thing to be an influence, uh, to influence around these decisions and to, and to really get to what you know and at your core is the right thing for employees when you don't have the data to back it up, right? And so having tools like Flex Index and others is really important. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the plug. Thank you very much. Oh, uh, yes, plug. <laughs> Um, maybe one final question for you. So for folks that are really interested in what you shared, want to learn more about you or see where you're writing things or learn more about Lattice, where would you send them? I would send us to lattice.com. Um, we have all of that on our website and we have a great blog and we, you're going to be hearing more from us. We're going to be talking a lot more about um, what what's happening in remote. Uh, we want to amplify the, the thought leaders that I mentioned and beyond. Um, and joining our, our resources for humans community is also a place where you can also hear what is happening in a lot of other organizations and be the first to know about the information that we put out from, from Lattice. That's awesome. Well, Kara, look, I really enjoyed the conversation. I enjoy all of our conversations, but I think this was a this is particularly great. I think Lattice is such a good story of maybe this wasn't the plan always, and you were mid office right? build out, but you actually can embrace that and then turn it into a practice. Listen to your employees, get better at training, um, and different companies are going to be in different stages of this journey. Um, but there's a way to do it, and there's some really fantastic resources out there to help think through it. So I really appreciate you spending the time and sharing that. 100%. Thank you so much, Rob. That's my pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please also consider giving us a rating or leaving a review as that helps other listeners find the podcast. For more Flex Index content, including past episodes, our Flex Index newsletter, and monthly research reports, visit flex.scoopforwork.com. See you next time.